0: My guest today is Arthur Geese. He's here to talk about his review of Mirror's Edge Catalyst. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Arthur welcome back to the program so happy to have you hello um a lot of people thought this game would never happen yeah for a long time like me yeah for example you uh thought that this game would never happen and I think a lot of people kind of thought well that was a cool one off but I don't think we're gonna get another one uh and then against all odds here we are with mirror's edge catalyst available to uh uh download and and play um when you were playing Catalyst, does this feel like, and 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 this is kind of an ephemeral question, so feel free to sort of attack it however you like. But are you do you feel like this is a okay guys? Shut up. Here's another Mirror's Edge game that kind of took all their resources to get it made. Or sort of a start of a bigger push? Does this feel like them wanting to turn this into something that might be delivered with the
1: consistency that we expect from other sort of AAA franchises? I mean, that's that's hard to say. Uh, I'll go for the easy answer first, which is that the game ends setting itself up for a sequel. Like it resolves one plot line and leaves like a arguably just as big question open. like so th- there's actually, that
0: every game legally now does have to end that way so that does not know. tell us as much legally speaking it has to end like
1: that which is true actually i mean most games do end that way now so no it doesn't tell us like whether or not there will be another one it suggests that maybe they want there to be another one they being dice in this case mm-hmm. uh and whether they being ea in this case let them uh mm-hmm. i guess remains to be seen
0: uh, I I tend to think of this game. I, I think uh, when I think about Mirror's Edge, uh, a lot of the times, and it, it's actually kind of the same time frame because like you forget how long it's been. It's like, been a long time. Mirror's Edge, the the debut trailer that the one that sort of bowled everybody over for the first Mirror's Edge was the first trailer I've ever seen in like a live event, like when I was first covering video games for Joystick. Wow. So like, we're so we're talking aught eight there i think like early I mean, on
1: eight. It, it came out in 2008 so 2007 2008 sounds like yeah. about when they would have announced it and that was like a pretty cool year for video games like fable 2 came out and dead space came out and mirror's edge came out and fallout 3 came out and fucking left for dead came out well the the thing that i i mean the the one that i tend to to think
0: about this in the same. Uh, uh, breath as, um, and this is actually a, a year earlier, but I, I think of it the same way as Assassin's Creed. Sure. Where you have a game that is trying so many new and different things and not really nailing it. And then when it comes back around with another pass, you see this huge bump in refinement of what was already like a really uh, cool idea. And obviously the, the gap between those was only two years, but still you see a big bump in 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 how refined it is Uh, do you see that level of refinement between the first mirror's edge and mirror's edge catalyst
1: i i think it's hard because in some ways yes because there are certain things that people really didn't like about the last game that are different in this one like there you will never fire a gun in mirror's edge catalyst which is not to say you won't kill dudes because i definitely knocked people off of 40 or 50 story buildings but so the gun stuff is gone But on the other hand, there is so much more ambition as far as the kind of game that this is over what Mirror's Edge the first was uh, by virtue of it being an open world game. Uh, And not just because open world games have to have like a lot of small tasks for you to do, but also an open world game drastically opens up the space within which faith interacts uh, like I, I mentioned it a little bit in my review that in the first mirror's edge like a really good run in mirror's edge lasts like 20 to 30 seconds and most sort of parkour runs in that game are like 10 to 15 seconds and in mirror's edge catalyst you can go for like a good two to three to four to even five minutes of just running mm-hmm. um like to like leap over obstacles to run along walls to slide under things and not stop I think that that gives the parkour a lot more room to grow and develop. I also think that it tests uh, DICE's interaction systems in ways that would never be tested in the original game. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more ambitious. It's hard to say that it's more refined because they've added so many new challenges to to solve and approach as game designers that that there's not a lot of time for that refinement. Where something like Assassin's Creed 2 was like, was like assassin's creed except better
0: what sorts of concessions or nods to game design in 2016 versus game design in 2008 does mirror's edge catalyst make and and how effective are they
1: uh i think that it checkpoints a lot more often than the 2008 game did um basically after every like little section of an encounter with a lot of guards for example you can expect that there will be a checkpoint um if you get to a new platform uh in a sort of dedicated platforming section then you can expect a uh a checkpoint um i think that there i mean there's like a sort of recharging health system in a way that that the first game didn't need necessarily um Mm -hmm. so in that in that regard i i think that that's all there the the story stuff is much more fleshed out that i don't though i don't know that it's particularly better i think that In some ways, it feels very much like a studio's first open-world game because it basically is a studio's first open-world game, um, and it suffers under that kind of learning experience. It's hard for someone's first open-world game to be everything that people expect in a genre that's been expanded on and refined over and over again by people like Rockstar and Bethesda.
0: How much, uh, did you go back and uh, spend any time with um, Mirror's Edge the first before you dug into this? Because it has been so long since since that game released.
1: I played it fairly recently. Like I go back to that game every now and again because I really liked it. There were some things that, that I thought were different that actually weren't. Like I thought that they had moved the buttons around or something, but they didn't, um, which is weird. In some ways, it's just as idiosyncratic and almost defiant in the way that you you move around in it as the first game was which is going to be frustrating for some people for sure in 2016 and it will be really exciting and encouraging for other people Um, Mm -hmm. uh i think some of the sort of design changes they've made to accommodate a open world game with character progression are for the worse um did you play the original mirror's edge sure yeah, yeah yeah uh you know though there's a 180 degree turn button right yeah uh so that's in this game but it's locked behind an upgrade Mm. and that's especially weird because you need that to to like finish the game like the running up a wall doing the 180 turn and bouncing off of it is a really important traversal mechanic uh that the game can't be finished without and it i don't know that the game really makes it clear how much you need that um
0: it right, reminds Sunset Overdrive, where it didn't actually get very fun until you had uh, some of the uh, the things that were behind locked. Yeah, the, the skills yeah. that were locked away.
1: And, and I think that like <laughs> lo- like locking basic traversal stuff is a way of teaching players. But I I think that it sort of stifles the creativity that a game like this needs uh, to feel good because it's not the combat is not fun. Um, right, and I don't feel like the like completing missions is the reward. I feel like doing faith things, like uh, completing runs, like styling off of platforms, like actually like making a difficult run. That is where the satisfaction in this game is derived from. And to hide elements of that behind an upgrade tree uh, is a sort of strange design choice, uh, in my so- opinion. It almost
0: seems like you'd be better served to have all the tools at your disposal so you could get proficient at using all of them as opposed to trying to learn to fold new ones in uh, later on the game. even have already you got your sort of rhythms together.
1: Right. I mean, that's the way it feels to me as someone that plays a lot of video games. I'm sure that they have focus groups where they feel like they needed to introduce things more slowly for newer players. And, and I get that. Uh, it just mm-hmm. doesn't feel particularly good to me as someone who is familiar with these games.
0: Does it, I've been struck by, and I've had a hard time putting my finger on it. Um, we had, we had one question uh, sent in by, by listeners and we're going to get to a few more, but um, one of these uh, it, it was sent into us by Alex Murphy, who says, ignoring sales numbers, does Catalyst make you feel like there's a future to Mirror's Edge? Does it have more to say? And, and I'm really interested in this question because for a game that was so hotly demanded, I mean, like, you heard constant, constant questions about it. I mean, literally unabated for eight years or however long it's been about, you know, when are we going to get more Mirror's Edge? And there, it seems to be met with this weird sense of ennui. Like I'm not getting a lot of um, excitement from people about it. Even people who are like really big fans of the first one. Um, Do you think that maybe that was a, a, a cool experience that could have stayed where it was? Or do you think it's, uh, you know, do you, is there room for, for this to continue in ways that you'd like to see it sort of evolve again? Or are you, are you good? I think
1: game culture as sort of an extension of nerd culture, if we can use that really obnoxious term for a second, is never satisfied to leave things where it was,
0: Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. uh, or leave a thing where it was or leave things where they were or whatever. Um, and so there was an extremely passionate fan base for Mirror's Edge that was not large. Um, the, the The game was not a big sales success, and I know that EA has said that the game has sold a lot of copies uh, over the fall, the the sort of ensuing eight years since its release. Uh, but it also went on sale for like five dollars on Steam all the time. Um, I think that there is a very passionate, very vocal fan base that loved that game that wanted to see a lot of its good ideas, uh, explored further while also fixing the problems they wanted. Basically, I think people wanted to fix what was broken, uh, in the original game. And I think that there was excitement initially that it existed and then concern that the dice that that exists now is not the dice that made the game because that's the way the game studios work. Like there's turnover, people leave, people go on to different things. Um, and I think that there's always skepticism that EA is sort of like the faceless corporate entity is going to screw things up. Um, and also the way that EA handled reviews for this game did not instill a lot of confidence in anybody that, uh, that they didn't send the game until just before it went on ea access um which traditionally is kind of weird to to send it out right before everybody gets it like that suggests that could, that
0: could be changing though because we saw that with doom too
1: and it was that was a humdinger yeah i i think that i mean we could talk a lot about doom but i think that that there was Hell probably yeah. let cons- do that <laughs> we record another quality control right out of this one uh i think that a lot of discussion could be had about the worries that Bethesda had over whether or not doom would click with people. Uh, and there are parts of doom that aren't good. The multiplayer in doom is not fun. Uh, and they pushed really hard on that for whatever reason. Um,
0: Um, I, I got a question from another Alex who asks: are there as many claustrophobic indoor sequences as in the first game? And if so, are they overly linear?
1: No, I, I, I think that there are, air ducts that you walk through that honestly seem as much for pacing or like game loading reasons as anything mm-hmm. uh most spaces are pretty big like there's a lot of room to work to sort of approach um a traversal sequence as a puzzle rather than as an arcade challenge um which I think is good I think that that gives mirror's edge catalyst room to breathe in a way that the original game did not uh which i think in a lot of ways was dictated by the hardware that mirror's edge was made for and the engine it was built in was not designed for big open spaces um so i think that that if claustrophobia is your concern that you don't need to be worried about that here
0: what was the i know you reviewed it on on three platforms you checked out all those what was the main one that you you played
1: i played through the whole game on xbox one
0: Okay, how are the load times on on that after uh, you died? Because I'm playing on a uh, PS4 right now. And I gotta say it, and I think this speaks probably to what a kinetic game it is, um, and and how sort of uh, you know the momentum of it. But it feels really draggy when uh, you make take a wrong step and then end up dying. It as, feels like a, a long wait to get back into the action.
1: As far as I know, the load times on Xbox One are not amazing, but they're not terrible. But I. My experience in that regard will not be what everyone else has because I have an SSD uh, running on my Xbox One. So my load times are faster than what most people would experience. Um, Is that hard to do? No, you just throw an SSD into a USB external enclosure and plug it into your Xbox One.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe maybe I'll do that. It's pretty convenient
1: if you've got an SSD or $200 laying around.
0: I don't um here's one from uh harrison says how does catalyst differentiate itself from other open world parkour based games such as assassin's creed
1: um i think assassin's creed feels much more mechanical and more distant and more about watching someone do cool stuff um i think that mirror's edge is a more and i know how much we all hate this word visceral experience i think that it is Just much more. more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If only, man, what a weird game that would be. That'd be good. Um, I think that there is a sheer level of physicality that is translated very well through a first-person perspective, awesome uh, arguably, too well uh, for the person who was originally supposed to review it, uh, Russ Fruhstic, who got motion sick playing it, uh, which does not typically happen for him with first-person games. Um, I think that. The sophistication of its parkour and the fluidity of its parkour is leaps and bounds ahead of any other sort of open world game, and that includes Dying Light, which is another first-person game that has some parkour elements. Um, mm-hmm. It's not clunky, and uh, in, in that regard, although it works best when you're at a run as opposed to st- like moving from a standing position. Um, so.
0: Now that you've uh, recently finished uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, uh, do you, as a Mirror's Edge fan, can you still envision in your head a sort of a dream version of this game that you would like to see get made, or are you comfortable sort of it being left where it is?
1: I mean, I think that there are enough issues and sort of unresolved possibilities in this game that another one would be an interesting opportunity for dice to improve on what they've tried here. Because I mean, like I've said, and I know that, uh, Phil collar, my, uh, other reviews person, uh, has agreed that it feels a lot like a studio's first open world game. And I think that that is a hindrance as much as anything, uh, arguably more than anything. Um, so I think that their open world design could use a lot of re- refinement. I think that, Dice still struggles with single player campaign design. I think that there are certain spots in the world that are really poorly signposted about where you can go and where you're supposed to go. I think that the last third of the campaign feels very autopilot Mm -hmm. and overly melee heavy. And I think that their melee combat is still not great. Um, So I think that there's lots that they could fix if they got to make a sequel. But I think that a sequel to this feels about as likely as the sequel felt before it was announced. I mean, DICE is the de facto technical branch of Electronic Arts. They are building and supporting Frostbite, which is the engine of everything at EA. And they're also making Battlefield, which is a massive, massive franchise for EA, while supporting every other studio using Frostbite. And now they're making Star Wars games and content with Battlefront and the almost assured appearance of battlefront two next year in advance of the next star wars game. Mm-hmm. So I think that there was a window for dice to make this game and they got it and they made it. And I don't know if they'll get another chance to do it again.
0: Well, uh, uh let's just be happy that this one is here. Uh, thank you so much, Arthur, for taking the time. If you would like to, uh, uh, see more of this mirror's edge type content, we have plenty for you at Polygon.com, including Arthur's Review and and so much more just waiting there for you. While you navigate over there, I'm going to uh, wrap this up by saying thank you so much for listening. And uh, on behalf of Arthur Geese, my name is Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control.